Hey everyone, Mundo here. If you would like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa. Yo! What's up, everyone? And welcome to episode 26 of Crime and Court USA. I'm recording this on November 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys had a fun and safe Halloween. I, I like Halloween. I kind of get into the whole spooky month kind of thing. I don't I don't dress up. Like I, I don't I can't remember the last time I dressed up. Probably sometime in college. Or whatever. It takes too much effort. You know what I mean? You got to like plan it a month in advance. Got to get it all together and stuff. I appreciate a good Halloween costume. Like I love seeing people's costumes and all the time and effort they put into them, but I don't like putting time and effort into it. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty lazy. Whenever I did dress up, it was like the day before or even the day of just like, all right, what could I cobble together this, you know, in, in like 24 hours. <laughs> so yeah, I never been a, I'm not really a big fan of that anymore but i do like watching scary movies and all that kind of stuff like i said i kind of like getting into the whole spooky month kind of spirit so yeah yeah that, that that's that was kind of fun but if you got if you went out if you partied i uh, hope you uh hope you did it safely all right let's just get right into the news and whatnot so there's still no update on the alec baldwin shooting here in new mexico although the santa fe county sheriff's office is still investigating so just to recap that, according to reports on October 21st, Armorer, who is the person who handles the guns and explosives and all that kind of good stuff on set, uh, Armorer Hannah Gutierrez Reed left some prop guns on a cart there on the set, and then a gun was taken off the cart by assistant director Dave Halls and handed the gun to Alec Baldwin, saying "cold gun," which is which means the gun is doesn't have any live rounds and it's it's safe basically. Baldwin then unknowingly fired a live round at the camera, killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins and injuring director Joel Souza. Guterres Reed's attorney went on the Today Show Wednesday morning, the day I'm recording this podcast, to a defender, obviously. <laughs> uh, Jason Bowles, who is a, an attorney I worked with while I was covering crime in Santa Fe and Albuquerque, says she grabbed live, I'm sorry, says she grabbed rounds from a box labeled dummy, so in other words, dummy rounds, which aren't real rounds at all, and says that someone must have put live rounds in that box. He said, quote, and I didn't actually watch the Today Show, so I'm getting this from the Santa Fe New Mexican, shout out. He said, quote, the person who put the live round in the box of dummy rounds had to have the purpose of sabotaging the set. There is no reason, there is, excuse me, there is no other reason you would do that, end quote. So Mr. Bulls here is alleging sabotage, saying that someone purposely put a live round in that box. If that is true, that is obviously crazy. Like that's some psycho stuff that you wanted, you wanted someone to get hurt. If that's true, we'll see if that's true. There didn't seem to be evidence that someone had intentionally put it there. So we'll see what the sheriff's office has to say about that. Also, uh, assistant director Dave Hall's attorney, Lisa Turaco, who's also a local attorney that I've covered before and I've spoken to before. She's a character. I, I like her a lot. I like watching her in court. She went on Fox News on Monday to defend her client as well. She said Halls was not the last person to handle the gun before Baldwin had it, although the sheriff's office investigation seems to indicate otherwise. So 
we'll see how that works out as well. Uh, but again, no criminal charges have been filed, and both the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office and the Santa Fe District Attorney's Office have not ruled out criminal charges, so they're still looking at things. And I'm sure they will make an announcement if charges are filed or charges are not filed. And you could be sure to hear about it right here on Crime and Court USA. All right, you guys, today I want to talk about drug traffickers. You know what I mean? Dope, smack, blow, whatever you want to call it. First off, if someone just generally calls drugs dope, they're a cop. Just, just, just run away, all right? Okay, so first off, Colombia's most notorious drug lord was captured after a raid on his jungle hideout on October 23rd and faces extradition to the United States. Tairo Antonio Usuga, who goes by the alias Otoniel, is the leader of the Clan del Golfo, or Gulf Clan. Colombian President Ivan Duque described Usuga as the most feared drug trafficker in the world. He says he carried out assassinations on police officers, soldiers, and civic leaders, and a police officer even died during the raid, Duque told Reuters. In addition to drug trafficking, Usuga is accused of killing police officers, recruiting minors, and sexually abusing children, among other crimes. The U.S. State Department said in a news release on October 25th that homicide shot up 443% during a turf war with a rival organization. The U.S. had even put up a $5 million reward for help finding him. Durque said the Colombian government is still trying to take down other members of the clan. Giovannes de Jesus Avila, who goes by the name Chiquito Malo, translated to bad boy, is their next priority. He was the clan's weapons coordinator and was Usuga's right-hand man. Experts think drug trafficking isn't going to change in Colombia, though, and I'm sure America's insatiable need for drugs has something to do with that. And another kingpin will surely rise up, some say. Sergio Guzman, director of the consulting firm Columbia Risk Analysis, told the Washington Post, quote, This is not going to move the needle in terms of the war on drugs. Ellipses. What happens next in different pieces of the puzzle aligning to fill the vacuum of power left by Otoniel? Soon we'll have another kingpin and another drug lord who may be much worse. End quote. Usuga evaded capture for years by hiding out in the jungle, and he apparently wasn't living lavishly as he slept in rough conditions and had to eat jungle animals. He was indicted in Manhattan Federal Court in 2009 for importing drugs and for allegedly providing assistance to a paramilitary that's hard to say, paramilitary group that had been designated as a terrorist organization by the U.S. government. Eleven people were named in the indictment, and they were collectively referred to as Los Urabenos before they became known as Clan del Golfo. The indictment says the organization was involved in multi-ton shipments from Mexico and Central America that were destined for the United States. The group controlled various territories in Colombia and imposed a, quote, tax on other drug traffickers in the area, that included a fee for every kilogram that was manufactured, stored, or transported through Urabeño's territory. The organization employed sicarios, or hitmen, who carried out acts of violence, including murders, kidnappings, assaults, and assassinations. The indictment says murders and assassinations. I'm not sure what the difference is, but anyhow. The Urabeños carried out these violent acts to collect drug debts, maintain discipline, control and expand drug territory and promote and enhance prestige, reputation, and position of the organization. Usuga, who again is also known as Otoniel and also Mao Gallo and Mauricio Gallo, as well as Daniel Rendon Herrera, also known as Don Mario, 
were the principal leaders of the organization. Seven other defendants, including Chiquito Malo, were in charge of collecting drug taxes, managing armed combatants, and maintaining control of certain territories in Colombia. Yoni Alberto Grajales Alvarez, these guys have way too many freaking names. <laughs> uh, he was also known as Guajiro and Paisa, was the head of the drug collection office based in Cali, Colombia. It was responsible for collecting drug debts owed to the Urabenos through violence and threats of violence. There's always the threat of violence, right? They're not going to send you to a collection agency <laughs> to get their stuff or whatever, right? They're not going to harass you with phone calls. They're going to they're gonna do it violently. Ramiro Caro Peñeda, also known as Nolasco or Hugo, was the organizer in charge of collecting drug debts, coordinating drug shipments, and maintaining control over airstrips and ports on the Atlantic coast of Colombia. The indictment says the group allegedly engaged in these criminal acts between June 2003 and December 2014, I said that he was indicted in 2009. Well, they keep kind of adding stuff to it. Uh, it's called a superseding indictment. So, yeah, they kind of they kind of changed it from, I guess, 2003 and 2009 to 2003 and 2014. The indictment has the amount of kilograms and the dates they were shipped to the U.S. And they're just, they're just a whole list of them, like a table in the indictment. So I actually added them up them myself. And it equals about 81.2 tons of cocaine. Which is, which is a lot. I googled it, and an elephant weighs anywhere between 2 and 7 tons, so they shipped several elephants worth <laughs> of cocaine to the United States. The indictment says the organization killed people during this time as well, but it doesn't go into specifics who was killed, how they were killed. It just says they killed people. That's about it. And Otoniel is, of course, being compared to Colombia's most notorious drug kingpin, Pablo Escobar. If you guys are interested, you should check out Narcos on Netflix. That's a good show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about Escobar, but uh, yeah, that, that's a really good show. Ruthless, man. These guys are ruthless, allegedly. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm kind of fascinated by how organized the drug organizations are. I mean, like it listed off who was in charge of what and stuff. I mean, it is really run like a business. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. So yeah, he is still in Colombia, but will be extradited to the U.S. to face charges. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And unfortunately, I mean, this—if if these experts are to be believed—and as my gut, you know, tells me too—that yeah, this probably won't make a dent in the drug trade because we've seen this all before, right? Someone goes down, someone takes their place. That even happens on the local level when a local drug dealer gets taken down, someone just takes their place. So I'm sure someone is just going to take his place. Unfortunately, but uh, yeah. As far as uh, Otoniel's case goes, we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that shakes out. Moving on, rapper Fetty Wap has been arrested on federal drug charges and is accused of taking part in a drug trafficking ring that moves some serious weight on the East Coast. Wap, <laughs> uh, whose real name is Willie Maxwell, was arrested on October 28th at City Field in New York, where the Rolling Loud Hip Hop Music Festival was taking place. He was taken into custody by the feds before he took the stage, which probably really sucked for the people who paid to see him. <laughs> They're like, hey man, where's Fetty Wap, man? According to an indictment, Maxwell conspired with five others, Anthony Leonardi, Robert Leonardi, Brian Sullivan, Kavon Wiggins, and Anthony Sinje, who is a corrections officer in New Jersey. I'm not sure how you say this, this gentleman's last name, but I've seen it spelled two different ways. 
uh, S-Y-N-T-J-E and C-Y-N-T-J-E. And again, he was a corrections officer in New Jersey, which by the way, just a quick aside. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen several instances where jail guards are popped with distributing drugs to the, the prisoners or the, the inmates. Yeah, I mean, drugs are like notoriously easy to get in jail, like comically easy apparently. And a lot of people are like, you know, how, how, do, how do drugs get into our jails and stuff? And well, a lot of times the guards themselves are bringing them in, you know, conspiring with some of the inmates, trying to make a little extra scratch themselves. Anyhow, these people are accused of distributing heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, and cocaine base, otherwise known as crack. A press release issued by the Department of Justice says the group conspired to distribute more than 100 kilograms of drugs on on Long Island and New Jersey. They allegedly got the drugs on the West Coast and used U.S. Postal Service trucks with hidden compartments to transport the drugs to the East Coast. I believe that the uh, Postal Service drivers were involved as well, but I haven't seen anything about any of them being charged or anything like that. The indictment also says that Maxwell was, quote, a kilogram level redistributor. So, yeah, he was moving kilos, man. He was moving some weight. Fetty Wap's debut single, Trap Queen, reached number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in May 2015. Right now, the song has over 887 million streams on Spotify, so pretty popular. Oops, sorry, just hit the mouse. (laughs) Yeah, not really my cup of tea, but hey, if you're into it, knock yourself out. But right now, Fetty Wap facing some serious charges, man. Some serious charges. You would think he'd still have money from being on the number two on the Hot 100. I mean, he stole a lot of records, got a lot of downloads. Who knows why he's still moving drugs, man? Crazy. Crazy stuff. All that stuff might come out, though, in the future. All right, guys, that is about all for this week. But before I go, I I do have to say that the New Mexico journalism community lost an absolute legend in Todd Bailey. He was just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He was only 49 years old and had been battling cancer for some time. He was the editor of the Hobbs News Sun in uh, in Hobbs, New Mexico, which is a small town in the uh, southeast part of the state. But um, he had worked in Santa Fe and in Albuquerque too, and I, I knew him from when I was in San or when I was in Albuquerque. I was still in college, and he was around covering sports when I was working for the college paper at the University of New Mexico. And um, yeah, just again, was one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Just life of the one of those life of the party kind of guys, man. And you know. Just really sad, man. So, Todd, rest in peace, man, until I see you again. All right, guys, you know the drill. Share the podcast with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Help me grow the audience. Also, uh, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash crimecourtusa. Throw me a few bucks a month if you can. But if not, you know I appreciate you guys just listening. All right, guys, my name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace.